here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. It's amazing to me. First of all, the news is monotonous today, don't you think, Mr. Producer? I mean, you really had to scrape the bottom of the barrel. And I think that's what people are doing. It's really monotonous today. Anyway, I want to get on to something else. You're hearing uh, maybe Mueller is winding down his investigation and preparing his report for the deputy attorney general. Now, he should be preparing his report for the acting attorney general, Matthew Whitaker. He should be following the Department of Justice rules. But whatever. And then you have... These lawyers, understand we have so many lawyers in this country, and we have a whole lot of stupid lawyers in this country. We even have lawyers who are stupid, who become professors, associate professors, assistant professors, adjunct professors. Some of them work on Wall Street. One of them's married to uh, Ms. Conway in the White House, Kellyanne Conway, calls himself George. Porky George. And he's out there saying that uh, Trump waving around this pardon to Roger Stone now. It's witness tampering, and he cites two federal statutes. Witness tampering, and he cites two federal statutes. Now, what you're not going to hear, except from me for 4,000 times, is that the President of the United States cannot be indicted by Mr. Mueller. The President of the United States cannot be indicted by Mr. Mueller. Mr. Mueller has reached the same conclusion, apparently. And um, I think this is why Mr. Mueller is not going to take this subpoena issue all the way to the United States Supreme Court. Now, in truth, who's been right about this from day one? I've been right about this from day one. All of it. All of it. And that's based on experience. As somebody who was chief of staff to an attorney general for several years, as somebody who represented a client, the former attorney general in the Iran-Contra matter, as somebody who has studied the former independent counsel statute, as somebody who studied... The memoranda, 1973 and 2000, put out by the Office of Legal Counsel on whether or not you can indict a sitting president in the position, the official position of the United States Department of Justice. And then you dig into the regulations under which Mr. Mueller uh, was appointed. And you come across 28 CFR section 600.7A. Special counsel must comply with the rules, regulations, procedures, practices, and policies of the Department of Justice. I've read this on the air here. I've read this on the air on Fox and on Levin TV. 
So the president of the United States will not be indicted. The president of the United States is not in any kind of, quote-unquote, legal jeopardy. And he never was. Now, this is apart from the fact that all the leaks and all the tea leaf readers and all the fool Democrats and all the fool media types are all over TV just can't put the dots together to show that Donald Trump in some way or any way was working with the Russians to affect the outcome of this election. And you know damn well if he had, we'd know about it by now. And you know damn well if we had, the Obama administration would have leaked it because they were in charge at the time. So let me address yet again the latest idiocy coming out of George Conway's mouth as well as the mouth of others. I have in front of me a copy of the October 16, 2000 Memorandum for the Attorney General from the Office of Legal Counsel, the official office that interprets the Constitution for the administration, including the Attorney General, which I first mentioned uh, almost two years ago on Fox. And they've concluded that unlike judges, unlike cabinet secretaries, unlike other public officials, the President of the United States must not be indicted by the Department of Justice. And I just read to you the regulation that says that Mr. Mueller must comply with the Department of Justice rules. Now, before I get into this again, of course, it doesn't mean that Mr. Mueller can't write up a report loaded with attacks, loaded with his, uh, his poison and, and all the rest of it. But this is why most United States attorneys, excuse me, all United States attorneys are not to write reports of this sort. This is why this special counsel report is so damaging to the rule of law. And it's a very big weakness in the special counsel regulation. He should not be writing reports. He either speaks in the courtroom or he doesn't speak at all. Because otherwise, when you open an investigation of a sitting president, you have two purposes. Or maybe one of two. The first is to try and create an impeachment document. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is not the role of the Department of Justice or a special counsel accountable to no one, to be involved in a political-slash-constitutional process, the impeachment process. If Congress wants to investigate a president respecting impeachment, that's up to Congress. But it's not up to the executive branch, let alone a special counsel, which is also what makes this special counsel quite different from other federal prosecutors. And makes his appointment, in my view, unconstitutional in violation of the Appointments Clause. Number two, you can conduct an investigation because you want to determine if other people have violated laws who are in the president's orbit, who can be prosecuted, and perhaps get information related to activities, not official activities, but previous activities, private activities, that would serve as a basis for an indictment after a president serves his term or terms. 
That's not the case here. The appointment of Mueller was based on collusion with Russia during the course of the election. So that's not the case here. Now we'll go through this again. Take our time. There's no hot news out there where we need to jump in and speed through it. And I'm not going to. But I want to make sure you're informed about this because this may in fact be coming toward an end. And there's one other thing I want to mention before I get into the memo or memos. And it's this. Can you imagine if President Trump had sat on his hands throughout the entirety of this investigation and didn't tweet anything or didn't say anything while the Mueller people were leaking, while members of Congress were going on TV accusing him and his family and his associates of all kinds of treason, subversion, criminal activity? Do you think this president would have anywhere near Anywhere near the popularity that he has today, even though he's attacked, oh, his popularity is not high. It would be completely in the, in the tubes. So he fights back, and that's what a lot of people like about this, that he fights back. Whatever happens to Cohen or Manafort or General Flynn, the latter of whom I'm very fond of, is of no relevance in terms of the prosecutor's investigation, in terms of any criminality that might be found, or alleged, I should say, respecting the campaign and the president. I don't know about you, but I need a neck brace about now. Surging left, surging right, this is the big one, Corsi, this is the big one, Stone, Flynn's the big one, Gates, now we got him, Papadopoulos is all over it. The media are disgusting. You know, in the Federalist Papers, the great men who wrote the Federalist Papers warned against faction, in particular Madison. They warned against faction. And Jefferson, who was not involved in the Federalist Papers, but he warned against faction, faction, faction. They were worried about it. And yet we have faction in the media. The media represent a small faction of the body politic, and that's not the purpose of a free press. To be the mouthpiece for the radical left within the Democrat Party, which they actually lead. So when we return, we'll take our time. I don't want you to fret with all the people on TV and radio, going on and on about witness tampering and all the rest. There hasn't been any witness tampering. The President of the United States is not going to be indicted. The battle will be in Congress, of course. And I'll be right back. Mark in. Um, when I saw on the internet that uh, Bob Dole had gone to the Capitol Rotunda and I watched every second of it he's an extremely frail man another war hero crippled in, uh, in a battle in Italy 
I was in the hospital for two years, had multiple operations. And look, he became a congressman, a senator, the majority leader, ran for president. Two war heroes, Bob Dole and George Bush. And uh, he's wheelchair-bound, quite obvious, and his assistant, who was quite proficient, helped him out of his chair, his wheelchair, and held him up. Bob Dole was paralyzed, and I believe it was his right arm and his left arm. He lifted it, saluted as best he could. A sharp salute um, with uh, George Bush. I have to tell you, I, uh, my eyes welled up. This is a passing generation. And people who are very young today or the next generation yet born, um, they're not going to see this generation. It's a very, very special generation. No discussion about LG, B, this, that, or the other. No discussion about who uses what restrooms. No discussion about safe spaces or being triggered or any of the rest of it. These were real men and real women. I just hope we can get some of that back. I really do. I know there are men and women in this country who have the same grit, who volunteer in the military, who volunteer to be cops, who volunteer to be firefighters, emergency personnel, you name it. They're of the same ilk. But more and more, there's fewer and fewer. And that's what concerns me. But that was quite a quite a scene there, I tell you. It was, uh... And uh, the, the and George H.W. Bush, magnanimous man, he made sure that President Trump and the First Lady uh, would be invited to his wedding. <laughs> Sorry. Invited to his funeral. That was not the case, of course, with John McCain. And the word also went out he did not want his funeral politicized. He did not want politics involved in his funeral. And everybody knew what he meant. Paul Wellstone, the McCain week-long events, he didn't want it to turn into a circus. Let's hope John Meacham holds to that. I know the Bush family will. There's something about this Bush family. Obviously, we don't. Always, I don't always agree with them and their politics and so forth, but there's something about the family where they have enormous dignity. Again, I was a Reagan guy. And I had serious differences with this president on domestic policy, with his son on domestic policy. But character, dignity, they have character and they have dignity. Jeb Bush, too. Character and dignity. There's no taking that away from this family. Now, some of their aides didn't have either. That's for sure. But they did and they do. Now, let's get back to uh, 
the matter at hand. Let's get back to the matter at hand. You see, Mr. Mueller was never going to be able to indict a sitting president. And this has been my frustration for two years, almost two years. Where I've written about it, where I've gone on TV to talk about it, where I've gone online to talk about it, where I've discussed it with you on radio. Because you have um, these people who are, I don't know where they get them from, who are commenting all over the place, who do not comprehend events. Former federal prosecutors who are former federal prosecutors. They're not constitutionalists. Or they haven't done the homework necessary to know what they're talking about. Or law professors who haven't done the homework to know what they're talking about. I can remember 18 months ago, 14, 12, whatever it was ago, there was talk that uh, Mueller would subpoena the President of the United States, remember? And the president would have to comply with the subpoena or he could be forced in front of the grand jury without recourse. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's absolutely false. And some of these people who've made arguments like that are still on TV, still commenting. They're not held to account. But we'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. More logic than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877-381-3811. All right, I promise I'll get to what I said in just a minute. Christmas is here, ladies and gentlemen. Hanukkah is here right now. But that sagging jawline and double chin don't have to be part of your celebration this year. Now you can just make them disappear. Introducing the brand new Genesel jawline treatment with dual peptide and MDL technology. Chamonix's most advanced technology ever. It not only tightens saggy jawlines, but it also plumps the lipophilic layers of your skin to contour and define the jawline within minutes. Using peptides and metolactones together for the first time, it works amazingly fast and the results get better every day. And for the next two weeks, the Genesel jawline treatment is yours absolutely free when you order the Genesel for under your eye get bags and puffiness addressed. And uh, for the results in 12 hours, Genesel's immediate effects is also free when you call or click now. There's a call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, 
or go to Genesel.com. And this year on a high note with beautiful skin, no bags and puffiness and a tighter, higher jawline. Call or click now. 800-SKIN-604 or Genesel.com. 800-SKIN-604 or Genesel.com. Next year, we're going to be uh, really revamping our podcast to this program. We're going to tighten it up, uh, and we're going to streamline it, and we're going to make it more listenable. So um, I think you'll be very excited about this when I announce what we're doing next year, early next year. So we're always kind of tampering with our technology, tampering with what we do to make it as listener-friendly as possible in order to bring you as much content as possible. That same with Levin TV, that same with all that we're doing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States will not be indicted. The President of the United States has not witnessed tampered. President of the United States has not obstructed justice. President of the United States has not conspired or colluded. He's done nothing. And the fact that this word impeachment has been hanging over his head and his administration like a dark cloud even before he was inaugurated is truly unconscionable. Absolutely unconscionable. It's been driven by the media. It's been driven by the Democrat Party. And this has been the reality that we've had to live in now for almost two years. It's a propaganda mill. It's repeated over and over again. So it gets into your psyche. So rather than talking about other things related to the president's policies or the administration or what have you, this seems to lead off the news, doesn't it? Now, if Mr. Mueller is required to comply with Department of Justice regulations, which he is, and if Mr. Mueller cannot indict a sitting president, which he can't, then what's all the hubbub about? He's got Michael Cohen, who's a crook. He's like a mob lawyer. Michael Cohen was in it for himself. He violated every ethical code I can think of. He ripped off the public with respect to his taxi medallions. He ripped off the public with respect to not paying his taxes. He ripped off banks, apparently lying about his mortgages. He lied to Congress, and yet he's held up by his Democrat lawyers like Lanny Davis, among others, and he's held up by the media as the man who can bring down Trump. Really? How so? Because of a meeting, you see, at Trump Tower. The president said he wasn't aware of the meeting. Don Jr. says the president wasn't aware of the meeting. There was no transaction, nothing done during the course of the meeting. So who gives a damn about the meeting? They got General Flynn, don't you know? The FBI took a pass on General Flynn early on. He couldn't remember something well, and it was of no real consequence. Mr. Comey said that the FBI had determined that it wasn't an intentional false statement. 
And then comes Mr. Stroke, an adulterer, a Trump hater, a man who abused his office, who violated his oath as a senior FBI official, and used his power in an enormously corrupt way. He determined that Mr. Flynn should be charged with a false statement. And of course, Mr. Mueller and his merry band of left-wing kooks, they agreed. They agreed. Then you have Mr. Manafort. It's an amazing thing. We have a United States attorney in the Eastern District of Virginia. We have a United States attorney in Washington, D.C. We have 93 United States attorneys all over the country. And now one of them brought charges against Mr. Manafort. And yet we're told that the charges in Virginia and the charges that were brought in Washington, D.C. were so overwhelming over the course of many years. Well, then why did Mr. Mueller, when he was director of the FBI, recommend charges be brought against Mr. Manafort then? Because Mr. Manafort hadn't been campaign chairman or campaign manager of the Trump campaign for four months. He had to pay a price for that. And, of course, they put the squeeze on Mr. Manafort's former son-in-law. They put the squeeze on his former partner, Gates, among others. People go broke. People have breakdowns. People don't want to go to prison. And they'll do anything, particularly if they're weak, to stay away from, from all of it. Mr. Mueller knows that, as do his 17 prosecutors. What else do they have? Mr. Papadopoulos, you see, gave a false statement, they claim. And so crucial was the prosecution of Mr. Papadopoulos for making a false statement, which he now says he didn't make a false statement. He was tricked. He will have served two weeks in jail. Two weeks. The entire interference in our election by the Russians occurred on Barack Obama's watch, on Clapper's watch, on Brennan's watch, on Comey's watch, on Loretta Lynch's watch, on John Kerry's watch, on Joe Biden's watch, on Barack Obama's watch. Not one of them are held responsible for failing to do anything effective to stop it or to even inform the American people about what was taking place because they were concerned, you see, that should Hillary Clinton be elected, which they sure were sure she would be, that it would taint her presidency. So they sat on it. There were also FBI spies in the Trump campaign, at least two. Two spies from the Obama administration's FBI in the Trump campaign. A FISA court warrant extended three different times 
based on the opposition research paid by the DNC in the Hillary Clinton campaign, the opposition research, which was a lie. No federal judge has been held to account. No federal judge has held Mr. Comey or the FBI to account. That is, the federal judges on the FISA court. There was a deputy attorney general by the name of Sally Yates. And she was an Obama holdover. She became the acting attorney general because the Senate under Schumer was slow walking the president's nominees for these various cabinet positions. On her staff was a fellow by the name of Bruce Orr, associate deputy attorney general. I was once an associate deputy attorney general. It's a big job. And he used his position in part to feed information to the man who wrote the dossier, Christopher Steele, who used his position to feed information back to Bruce Orr on the deputy attorney general staff. And his wife worked for Fusion GPS. Right there at the top levels of the Department of Justice. We had connections to the dossier. The people who wrote it and the people who funded it. He never recused himself. No, he was an activist. Early on, there was what we call unmasking. Individuals caught in various surveillance and espionage activities where there's eavesdropping taking place. American citizens under the Patriot Act, they are to be protected. They are only to be unmasked if there may well be a national security issue. And even then, under the most confidential of circumstances. Susan Rice was unmasking individuals left and right. The ambassador to the United Nations, power, she was unmasking individuals left and right. Among those unmasked was General Flynn. General Flynn obviously was to be the incoming national security advisor to the President of the United States. Of course he'd be talking to the Russians and everybody else. Why wouldn't he be? His name was leaked. It's a felony to unmask and leak. Nobody's ever been charged for that. To the best of my knowledge, nobody's even been investigated for that. Now we're told Mr. Mueller's wrapping up his investigation. Other than Congress, there's been no criminal investigation of the Hillary Clinton campaign, of the DNC, of Perkins Coie, the law firm that washed the money through this lawyer, Mark Elias, that went to Fusion GPS. There's been no criminal investigation of Fusion GPS. There's been no criminal investigation of Christopher Steele, a foreign agent, formally. There's been no criminal investigation of the FISA court. None. And as I say, to the best of my knowledge, there's been no effective criminal investigation of the unmasking and the leaking of General Flynn's name. And yet we are told 
that it is the president who somehow has committed impeachable offenses. It's the president who's witness tampering. It's the president who has obstructed justice. He's done none of these things. Donald Trump is the victim. The members of the Trump family are the victims. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. than I thought. I'm just trying to slowly walk through, and we will continue. You know, Mr. Producer and I have something that we both wholeheartedly agree on. No, it's not something political, although we agree on that. It's how much we both love our different versions of the X-chair. Talk about how different your heights and body types might be. Well, you know they are, and yet how well the X-chair conforms to each of our bodies and so forth, same unbelievable level of support and comfort. And you can physically feel the difference, less pain, more energy, better focus, more productivity. You know, the holidays are just around the corner, and an extra year makes the perfect gift for a hardworking spouse or employee. And don't be afraid to reward yourself with your own extra year. You've earned it. Extra year is introducing two new colors for the holidays, red and white, Both are stunning, but they have other colors than that, too. So go to xchairlevin.com, and you can see all of them. xchairlevin.com. And if you prefer one of those new standing desks, xchair has its own version called the X-Flextop Sit-Stand Desk. And you can check that out at xchairlevin.com as well. The xchair is on sale, $100 off now. So go to xchairlevin.com, that's xchairlevin.com, or give them a call at 1-844-4X-CHAIR, 1-844-4X-CHAIR. X-CHAIR comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairlevin.com now, use code LEVINFOOTREST, and you'll get a free footrest. So give us a call. Or at 844-4X-CHAIR, or check us out on our site, xchairlevin.com. You know, I've met several presidents over the years. Obviously, Reagan. Uh, Before that, I actually met Gerald Ford, interned at the White House that summer as part of a uh, program with Fund for American Studies through Georgetown, 1976, Bicentennial. George H.W. Bush and uh, George Bush. And near the end of his presidency on one occasion, I think it was a a week or two before he he left office, he invited a handful of us who were on radio. Nicest guy. Nicest guy. George W. Bush. Same with George H.W. Bush. Really nice people. Reagan, really nice. Just nice people. And of course, I've met President Trump, and I'm going to tell you, really nice guy too. 
And uh, they're all very charismatic, and they're all different. And they're all different. And President Trump, I've met him how many times now? Two, three, four times. He's a very charismatic man. I know they try to rip him to shreds. I know they try and poke him in the eye and get a reaction out of him. I know people caricature him. He's a good man. Like the others. They're all good men. And the media will continue to try and use the men that most of us have voted for. One against the other and all against us. Don't go for it. Don't buy it. Don't go for it. Don't buy it. For the most part, the only Republicans the media like are the ones that can no longer speak. Or, if they do speak, they speak in ways that undermine their own party, certainly the conservative movement. You're on to them. We're on to them. And we know. All right. I promise when we get back, I want to dig into this. President of the United States will not be charged with anything. There's nothing to charge him with. Plus, he can't be. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods But what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-381. You know, Lindsey Graham is hell-bent on taking out that Saudi uh, government. He really is. And I think it's very stupid. He was hell-bent in taking out the the government in Libya. And now we have um, an entire country in North Africa with a critical geographic, uh, geographical importance um, that is now run by terrorists when we had Gaddafi under our thumb. He said, here, here's what I'm working on. The Nanooks, take it. Please leave me alone. And yet Lindsey Graham is everywhere, like he's some kind of uh, genius when it comes to foreign policy. He's not. I can count at least three more wars we would be involved in if Lindsey Graham was in charge. 
Now, I'm not a code pink Republican. I'm not Rand Paul. But on the other hand, I'm not one of these aggressive interventionists either. So there's things to like about Lindsey Graham, but on this, I think he is almost obsessed. Almost obsessed. You know, the Iranian government slaughtered 30,000 people between 1988 and 1989, summarily executed them. Journalists, poets, artists, broadcasters, students, student leaders, they didn't care. The fatwa went out. And we gave them $150 billion. And, of course, the $1.5 billion in ransom. And a deal under the Obama administration. 30,000 people. 30,000 people. And you, you did not see the kind of reaction that you see now. Of course it's a grotesque murder. But it's gotten so bad you're not even allowed to talk about who Khashoggi was. No, 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 can't say that. In many ways he was a mouthpiece for the Muslim Brotherhood. He wasn't, you know, a Zudi Jasser type, a moderate... Americanized, Muslim, that sort of uh, background. No, he was a radical. That doesn't excuse anything. I'm just pointing it out. By the way, I put a call into the governor of Arizona. Did I tell you this, Mr. Producer? I got his cell phone number from a source I shall not mention. And I left a message, said it's Mark Levin. I just wanted to mention one thing to you. Well, he never got back, so I guess he doesn't give a damn. And yet I was in an event with the Club for Growth in uh, Palm Beach a year or two ago, and he ran up to me and said hello. I think his name's Ducey. Anyway, uh, here's what I wanted to tell you, Arizona governor. You could do a really big thing. Historic, important in every way. And you can appoint when John Kyle retires, Zudi Jasser, one of your citizens, I believe in Scottsdale, as the next senator from Arizona. He'd not only be the first Muslim senator, he's a Navy veteran, he is a patriot, and he is a counterweight with his organization. He's also a physician. That's what I was going to tell you. All right. Memorandum for the Attorney General dated October 16, 2000. In 1973, the Department concluded of justice that the indictment or criminal prosecution of a sitting president would impermissibly undermine the capacity of the executive branch to perform its constitutionally assigned functions. We've been asked to summarize and review the analysis provided in support of that conclusion and to consider whether any subsequent developments in the law lead us today to reconsider or modify or disavow that determination. We believe that the conclusion reached by the Department of 1973 still represents the best interpretation of the Constitution. Give me four seconds. Hold on here. Sorry. 
Did you guys hear that? Some big damn brown spider. I'd say that thing was at least two and a half inches. By two and a half inches. So to take a big book and take care of business, Mr. Producer. And America. All right. That's been dealt with. Let's get back to this. It's live radio, baby. It's the way we it's the way we roll here. Three types of burdens. Now, what's interesting about what I'm telling you is it's no secret. Moreover, I doubt a singer single anchor person on cable on MSNBC or CNN have read it or even care. Now, what are these considerations? A, the actual imposition of a criminal sentence of incarceration. In other words, if you're going to indict a sitting president, the purpose isn't just to indict. It's to convict, to sentence, to imprison, which would make it physically impossible for the president to carry out his duties. B, the public stigma and opprobrium occasioned by the initiation of criminal proceedings, which could compromise the president's ability to fulfill his constitutionally contemplated leadership role with respect to foreign and domestic affairs. And C, the mental and physical burdens of assisting in the preparation of his own defense for the various stages of the criminal proceedings, which might severely hamper the president's performance of his official duties. In assessing the significance of these burdens, two features of our constitutional system must be kept in mind. First, the Constitution specifies a mechanism for accusing a sitting president of wrongdoing and removing him from office. Article 2, Section 4 provides for impeachment. Impeachment by the House, removal from office upon conviction in the Senate of sitting presidents found guilty of, quote, treason, bribery, or high crimes and misdemeanors, unquote. While the impeachment process might also, of course, hinder the president's performance of his duties, the process can be initiated and maintained only by politically accountable legislative officials. Supplementing this constitutionally prescribed process by permitting the indictment and criminal prosecution of a sitting president would place into the hands of a single prosecutor and grand jury the practical power to interfere with the ability of a popularly elected president to carry out his constitutional functions. That one sentence really underscores everything. A single prosecutor, elected by nobody, accountable to nobody, can determine the fate of a president. That's why when I watch what's going on in Israel, how they're trying to destroy Netanyahu, it's a damn shame. These are historic figures. Second, The president occupies a unique position in the constitutional scheme. As the Supreme Court stated in the Fitzgerald case, Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution provides that the executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States. This grant of authority establishes the president as the chief constitutional officer of the executive branch, entrusted with supervisory and policy responsibilities, of utmost discretion and sensitivity. In addition to the grant of executive power, other provisions of Article 2 make clear the broad scope and important nature of the powers entrusted to the president. 
Very important. The practical demands on the individual who occupies the office of the president, particularly in the modern era, are enormous. President Washington wrote that the duties of my office at all times require an unremitting attention. In the two centuries since the Washington administration, the demands of government and thus of president's duties have grown exponentially. In the words of Justice Jackson, in drama, magnitude, and finality, the president's decisions so far overshadow any others that almost alone he fills the public eye and ear. The burdens imposed on a sitting president by the initiation of criminal proceedings, whether for official or unofficial wrongdoing, therefore must be assessed in light of the court's long recognition of the unique position in the constitutional scheme that this office occupies. Given the unique powers, by the way, I'm not reading the whole whole memo, I'm skipping around to the parts I thought that you might be interested in. Given the unique powers granted to and obligations imposed upon the president, we think it clear that a sitting president may not constitutionally be imprisoned. The physical confinement of the chief executive following a valid conviction would indisputably preclude the executive branch from performing its constitutionally assigned functions. Now, you heard a lot of talk about the 25th Amendment. And, of course, I engaged in that debate. But you heard talk about it from people as foolish as Joe Scarborough and many others. They wrote, to be sure, the 25th Amendment provides that either the president himself or the vice president, along with the majority of the executive branch's principal officers, or some other congressionally determined body, declare that the president is, quote, unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. The result that the vice president assumes the status and powers of acting president. But it is doubtful in the extreme that this amendment was intended to eliminate or otherwise affect any constitutional immunities the president enjoyed prior to its enactment. None of the contingencies discussed by the framers of the 25th Amendment even alluded to the possibility of a criminal prosecution of a sitting president. Of course, it might be argued that the 25th Amendment provides a mechanism to ensuring that if a sitting president were convicted and imprisoned, there could be a transfer of powers to an acting president rather than permanent disabling of the executive branch. But the possibility of vice presidential succession hardly constitutes an argument in favor of allowing other branches to take actions that would disable a sitting president. Got that? The purpose of the 25th Amendment isn't the substitute for the impeachment clause or to add on to the possible criminality, uh, a criminal indictment or prosecution of a president. There's nothing in its history that suggests that. And I might add, under the 25th Amendment, the vote required is two-thirds. So it's stupid to begin with. Impeachment requires a majority of the House. Removal under the 25th Amendment requires two-thirds of the House. So when you had these fools who hate Trump, who are desperate to try and remove him through some kind of a coup, talk about the 25th Amendment, they had no idea what they're talking about on several levels. Now, putting aside the possibility of criminal confinement during his term in office, the severity of the burden imposed upon the president by the stigma arising both from the initiation of a criminal prosecution 
and also from the need to respond to such charges for the judicial process would seriously interfere with his ability to carry out his constitutionally assigned functions. They're talking about things like today, China, uh, Russia, all kinds of issues that have to be addressed while these charges are going on. Once criminal charges are filed, right, the burdens of responding to those charges Charges are different in kind and far greater in degree than those of responding to civil litigation. You'll hear people talk about, what about Clinton versus the United States? The Supreme Court said in the Paula Jones case, he has to, you know, he has to participate in that process. And as they explain here, it's different in a civil case. The constitutional provisions governing criminal prosecutions make clear the framers, the framers belief that an individual's mental and physical involvement and assistance in the preparation of his own criminal defense, both before and during any criminal trial, would be intense, no less so for the president than any other defendant. The Constitution contemplates the defendant's attendance at trial and indeed secures his right to be present by ensuring his right to confront witnesses who appear at trial. The Constitution also guarantees the defendant a right to counsel, which is itself premised on the defendant's ability to communicate with such counsel and assist in the preparation of his own defense. These burdens in the year, not merely in the actual trial itself, but also in the substantial preparation of a crim- that a criminal trial demands. What they're saying is, yeah, a, a civil trial requires a lot. It's not the same as a criminal charge. Where well, your liberty is on the line. Where well, your liberty is on the line. You look at the relevant parts of the Bill of Rights. They're focused really on criminal trials. Civil litigation, private parties typically, not always, but private parties typically duking it out. I mean, there are civil cases involving the government, but in a criminal case, it's always the government. In some, unlike private actions for damages, like the Clinton versus Jones case, Criminal litigation uniquely requires the president's personal time and energy and will inevitably entail a considerable, if not overwhelming, degree of mental preoccupation. Indictment also exposes the president to an official pronouncement that there's probable cause to believe he committed a criminal act, impairing his credibility and carrying out his constitutional responsibilities to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. So, so far, to sum up, what are they saying? They're saying the president is a very, very unique position unlike multiple members of Congress, thousands of members of the bureaucracy, a thousand federal judges. He is the executive branch. He is the commander-in-chief. He's the one person elected by the entirety of the country. Nobody else is. And unlike civil litigation and criminal litigation, uh, it obviously is an individual prosecutor having the power to upset the constitutional scheme uh, an individual having the power to change the relationship of one branch against the other an individual having the power to interfere with foreign relations domestic policy that individual being a prosecutor and no individual should have that kind of power as they write more when I return Mark Lovin. this interesting 
either way, it's important, and I think this is the kind of form in which a more uh, substantive discussion of it can take place. Now, let's continue a little further. And this puts everything in context, I think, doesn't it? People talk about witness tampering and obstruction. What witness tampering and obstruction? But beyond that, if you understand what they're trying to do to your Constitution, if you understand what they're trying to do to your office of the presidency, and this transcends this president, it's every president, then you understand how diabolical they are. Now, this is the position, not of Mark Levin. This is the position of the United States Department of Justice. This has been the position of the United States Department of Justice since 1973, underscored in 2000. So, we'll continue with this and complete it when I return. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin says today what the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. Well, that's true enough. All right, let's see here. I need to uh, bear with me, folks. I need to find... um, All right, there we are. Mattresses. Do you have a nice mattress? I can tell you about a nicer one. It's cold outside, and the struggle to get out of bed is real. Casper makes it so tempting to stay cozy under the covers, doesn't it? It's the most comfortable mattress you'll ever sleep on. It's a high-quality mattress at an affordable price. And you'll sleep comfortably and never wake up overheated, thanks to the unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment. Casper ships right to your door for free in a small, how-did-they-do-that size box. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it and refund you everything, from its engineering to its packaging to letting you try it for 100 nights. It's no wonder Casper has over 35,000 five-star reviews of all their products across Casper, Google, and Amazon. Now is the perfect time to give Casper a try yourself or to give it as a gift. Give Casper to someone you care about. Looking for that holiday deal? Head to Casper.com, use promo code MARK, and you'll save 10% on your entire order with any Casper mattress. That's Casper.com, promo code MARK. All right? Let's continue. 
Maybe maybe I'm just kind of weird. I like this stuff. Am I weird? Is, is that where you are, Mr. Producer? Do you find this interesting? You can tell me the truth. No, thank you. Well, if I'm weird, imagine what you are. All right, that's a whole other story. But I'll finish up. Going back to this 2000 memo. The constitutionally prescribed process of impeachment and removal lies in the hands of duly elected political accountable officials. By contrast, the most important decisions in the process of criminal prosecution would lie in the hands of unaccountable grand jurors deliberating in secret, perhaps influenced by regional or other concerns not shared by the general public, guided by a prosecutor who is only indirectly accountable uh, to the public. And this should frustrate the hell out of you that they just keep cheering and cheering for the unaccountable prosecutor to try and take out the popularly elected, via the Electoral College, President of the United States. Thus, the constitutional concern is not merely that any particular indictment in criminal prosecution of a sitting president would unduly impinge upon his ability to perform his public duties, A more general concern is that permitting such criminal process against a sitting president would affect the underlying dynamics of our governmental system in profound and necessarily unpredictable ways. By shifting an awesome power to unelected persons, lacking an explicit constitutional role vis-a-vis the president. Given the potentially momentous political consequences for the nation at stake, there is a fundamental structural incompatibility between the ordinary application of the criminal process and the office of the president. Now, I don't believe this is debatable, do you? I truly don't. The same people who would destroy our capitalist economic system. The same people who would destroy our borders and our sovereignty. The same people who would eviscerate our Constitution are the same people insisting that this president be taken out. And they will not wait till the next election cycle. Now, let me, let me put a footnote onto that. I don't know that they have the guts to trigger this or not. Maybe they'll have hearings. Maybe they'll press the point. Maybe they'll get to that stage. I don't know. But it'll actually be, <coughs> excuse me, actually be politically smarter if they didn't. Politically smarter if they didn't. You see what's going on in France? I kind of hinted about this the other day. You see what's going on in France and Paris with the climate change radical kooks? That is, Macron. Want to drive up the price of a gallon of gasoline to $7 a gallon? It's an amazing thing. People say, yes, let's fight climate change. Yes, I want cleaner air. Yes, I want this. Yes, I want that. Or it's going to cost you seven bucks a gallon. Let's burn Paris down. 
there is a huge disconnect between the left's policies and their theories and the reality that kicks in. And it's like Obamacare. They tell well, Obamacare is popular now. No, it's not. If you explain to people about their deductions, explain to people what is and isn't covered, explain to people the, uh, the bureaucracy and how difficult it is to get a specialist now or even find a generalist. And these things have real consequences for human beings, real live human beings. What you saw originally in Paris was a tax revolt. Now, various left-wingers have tried to step in and take charge of the thing, which is kind of odd since Macron is a left-winger and he's doing left-wing things, which is what the revolt is all about. It's a tax revolt. But the people said no. Now, they're joined in by the students because, you know, over there the students, you know, look at that, a fire. Can we participate? And, of course, they are. I'm talking about the original triggering of this. And when you mess with the public's election process, when 65 million people voted for the current president of the United States, and you use the most specious bases to try and drag down the candidate who won, or try and remove that candidate from office, there are consequences for that. I'm not encouraging it. I'm just telling you there are consequences for that. You create an anger. You create even a fury among people who believe, and rightly so, that this is, in fact, a coup. And the fact that the media support it and push it, of course doesn't make it any better, it makes it worse. The media are supposed to, under the freedom of press, are supposed to sort of be a balance. They're supposed to be where free speech meets. But they're not now. They're just not. They represent, as I said at the top of the first hour, a faction of society. That's how most of these news outlets have decided to run their businesses. And they will tell you that they exist to protect freedom of the press. You know what? That argument's not good enough anymore because it's not true. That argument is not good enough anymore because it's not descriptive of what's actually taking place. The media, that is, freedom of the press, like all the rest of the Constitution is a function of what it is that's best for the citizenry, for the people. Now, I don't mean to say that as a platitude, but that should be what drives them. But it's not. What drives them is their progressive ideology. And uh, that's the problem. All right, let's take some calls. I think I've gone on a long time here. A lot on the table. I hope most of it's useful to you. Maybe not. Let us go to, uh, oh, this interests me. Kathy, Topeka, Kansas, the great K-A-R-N. How are you? Hi there. Yeah, it's K-A- K-M-A-J. 
but that's okay. KMAJ. All right, Mr. Call Screen, you need to ask them where they're calling from. He, Go right he ahead. Did. I think he. All I was going to say was you were right that Senator Dole is a fine man. My parents, who one is gone now, but they used to um, go out with the senator and his wife, his first wife, quite often, way back. I'm 65, and I was a kid, and we just called him the candy man because he always had something nice for us whenever Mm -hmm. he'd come over. And he was just the night. I never. No, even no wait a minute. He was friends with your parents, or he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad was a dentist here in town, and he was a senator. I think a state senator for a while. No, I'm he was a sure. congressman. Okay, I don't. I didn't pay attention to that stuff. He was just really nice, and I didn't even notice his arm was um, messed up until mm-hmm. later on. Because mm-hmm. he was just he he was just a guy and he was a really nice guy, and he took the time with with me and my sister and that that probably was a challenge all in itself. But he was just he was a normal. He nice, still is. He's still with us. I know. Yeah. But he hasn't been in Topeka for many years. <laughs> he he really. I'm sure he can't fly. I'm sure he can't travel. He looks extremely fragile. He looks it's 95. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, like I said, yeah, my mom just turned 90. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I just wanted you to know that I doubt he's changed that much. He just, he he was just an all-around good man. Well, what I, what I saw there did really bring uh, tears to my eyes. I mean, and, and uh, goosebumps because... It was not easy for him to get over to the Rotunda. I, I know he has a place in Washington, D.C. It was not easy. You could see uh, he has to be dressed and groomed. It's just not easy. And to get over there and to have his aide lift him up so he could stand and then try to salute with his left hand, which he did with two or three fingers. You know, George Bush and Bob Dole, they go back a long way together. And at times they were rivals, and of course, most of the time they were very, very good friends. So um, it's kind of sad for. <clears throat> I want to thank you for your call. It's kind of sad for many of us. Somebody like me, I'm 61. I would get involved in politics when I was in my teens. I remember all these people. I remember campaigning for Reagan. I remember campaigning for Reagan Bush. I remember 1976 and 1980 going door to door and door to door and duking it out with the rhinos. I remember my mother and father helping me, doing the same thing. They were so uh, supportive and energetic about it. You remember all these things. And then as you get older, you see people pass away and events pass you by. And then you realize, well, soon we'll be that generation and we'll be looking back. Makes you think about a lot of things. Life and death, what you do with your life, what might be or not be after life, um, your, tr- your uh, children and your grandchildren, uh, how you'll be remembered, if you'll be remembered. You think about all those things. And then you move on. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin'.
time you go online or use public Wi-Fi, you're putting your personal information in danger. You sit at these coffee houses, you're there with your laptops, people can access that. Unless you take precautions, a hacker can grab your passwords or credit card information in seconds. Now, these hacks happen millions of times a day. And the victims have their personal information exposed or identity stolen. So how can you protect yourself? The software I use is called ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes it super easy for anyone to stay secure online. ExpressVPN hides your IP address and encrypts all of your data online. That means nobody, nobody can see what you do on the Internet. Not even government spy agencies like the NSA. The ExpressVPN app takes 90 seconds to set up on your computer or phone. You click a button and poof, you're protected. So if you want to protect yourself from hackers and spies, visit expressvpn.com slash mark to get this special offer. Three months free with a one-year package. I strongly encourage you to do this immediately. Protect your privacy. That's expressvpn.com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. Don't risk your online data any longer. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark today. All right. Let's see here. Tim, Corona, California, the great KPAY. Go right ahead. Hey, Mr. Levin, I appreciate your show. Great show, first-time caller. Thank you. My question is, what are the chances of one of the persons who Mr. Mueller got to plead guilty, whether it's Manafort, Papadopoulos, or one of the others, uh, doing an appeal all the way to the Supreme Court to uh, have Mr. Mueller's appointment deemed uh, improper, unconstitutional, I call him the illegitimate son of the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. and then throw out uh, Mueller and his band of cutthroats because subject matter jurisdiction, I believe, is never waived, even if they've pled guilty to a crime. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a good point. I agree with you. And I believe one of those cases is bouncing around at the district court level or the circuit court level up and down uh, between those two courts uh, in Washington, D.C. right now. And I believe it is. I don't know. It's being litigated, <laughs> excuse me, in secret. But people are trying to read the tea leaves. I know there's another case with a, a Roger Stone uh, colleague, I believe, who is flat out challenging the, uh, the appointment as unconstitutional under the Appointments Clause. And I think a very strong argument could be made. Uh, this is not the 1988 case. This is uh, quite different. Uh, you have a prosecutor here that Congress wants to protect. Do you know of any other prosecutor Congress wants to protect him? No. Uh, you have United... One second. <coughs> you have United United States attorneys who have to be appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. I would say Mr. Mueller is at least as powerful as a United States attorney, wouldn't you? Yes, that's what scares me, that so many people want to protect him. And uh, I don't believe he is uh, qualified to be protected under the Constitution because his appointment was uh, improper, like you have said. His appointment is not only improper, but Congress has absolutely no constitutional authority to protect a member of the executive branch from being fired from the head of the executive branch. It's a clear separation of powers issue. And yet you have Republicans who claim to be conservatives. 
were insisting that they needed to pass legislation. And as a practical matter, of course, the president would veto it. But let's say it was veto-proof, that the numbers were so big. The point still is that Congress has no authority to do that. And um, I don't believe Mr. Rosenstein had the authority to appoint Mr. Mueller with the wide breadth of investigative authority that he had without on the underlying criminal statute. All right, Tim, thank you for your call, my friend. You folks are getting constitutional law lessons more than most constitutional law students get. No brag, just fact. Tim, Tucson, Arizona, the great KNST, go. Mr. Mr. Levin, my question is this. Why is Rosenstein handling Mueller's report? Why isn't Whitaker, who's acting AG, taking it under his wing? This is a very, very good question. And to answer your question, Whitaker should be handling it. And Rosenstein should have no role. He's the deputy attorney general now, not the acting attorney general for these purposes. And he's conflicted up the wazoo. You're right. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Great reporter Paul Bedard at the Washington Examiner. Consensus, that is, excuse me, census confirms 63% of non-citizens are on welfare. 4.6 million households. A majority of non-citizens, including those with legal green card rights, are tapping into welfare programs set up to help poor and ailing Americans. A Census Bureau finding that bolsters President Trump's concern about immigrants costing the nation. In a new analysis of the latest numbers from 2014, 63% of non-citizens are using a welfare program, grows to 70% for those here 10 years or more, confirming another concern that once immigrants tap into welfare, they don't get off of it. Oh, good Lord. The Center for Immigration Studies said in its report that the numbers give support for, of, uh, for Trump's plan to cut non-citizens off welfare from the public charge if they want a green card that allows them to legally work in the United States. People come into this country to work in the United States. There's no way they should be able to get on welfare. The Trump administration has proposed new public charge rules making it harder for prospective immigrants to qualify for lawful permanent residence green cards if they use or are likely to use U.S. welfare programs. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but this is complete common sense. Concern over immigrant welfare use is justified as households headed by non-citizens use means-tested welfare at high rates, 
non-citizens in the data include illegal immigrants, long-term temporary visitors like guest workers, and permanent residents who have not naturalized. While barriers to welfare use exit for these groups, excuse me, while barriers to welfare use exist for these groups, I'm trying, I'm, the font is tiny, I'm reading it off the screen, it has not prevented them from making extensive use of the welfare system, often receiving benefits on behalf of U.S.-born children out of the Washington-based immigration think tank. The numbers are huge. The report said there are 4,684,784 million non-citizen Households, that's not individuals, that's households, receiving welfare. And nearly all, 4,370,385, have at least one worker in the house. In their report, Stephen Camarada, the research director, and Karen Ziegler, a demographer at the center, said that in census data, about half of those are in the United States illegally. Illegal alien households on welfare. Now, what kind of suicide is it that we are committing here? Now, it's quite obvious by these numbers. that for too many aliens, the American dream is the dream of being on welfare. And it was Milton Freeman who famously said, and I would tell this to the Koch brothers, who are absolutely ignoramuses when it comes to this, You cannot have open borders and a free flow of immigration when you have a massive welfare state. I would argue you couldn't have it anyway. But certainly, if you're a libertarian, you should understand that. But they don't. Key findings. In 2014, 63% of households headed by a non-citizen reported that they used at least one welfare program compared to 35% of native-headed households. So many of you who pay taxes... You're paying welfare for foreigners who are in this country illegally. Welfare use drops to 58% for non-citizen households and 30% for native households if cash payments from the earned income tax credit are not counted as welfare. But of course they're welfare. These are people who pay, excuse me, who file tax returns, who have no tax obligation, and in fact get a subsidy. EITC recipients pay no federal income tax, and like other welfare, the EITC is a means-tested anti-poverty program. But unlike other programs, one has to work to receive it. I'm sure they know how to play that on the left, too. Compared to native households, non-citizen households have much higher use of food programs. 45% versus 21% of natives. And Medicaid, 50% versus 23%. Do you realize... People who are here illegally or people who are here legally but aren't citizens yet are on Medicaid and food stamps? I mean, you kind of know it, but when you say it, it's just shocking. And we can't even spend $5 billion to secure the border, but we'll spend tens of billions of dollars to subsidize illegal aliens? Including the EITC, 31% of non-citizen headed households receive cash welfare, 
compared to 19% of native households. So what's happening here, ladies and gentlemen, is people who are here illegally or people who are here as non-citizens, even the broader group, are not assimilating into our market system. They're not assimilating into our economy. They're assimilating into the government handout system, and they're assimilating into the Democrat Party. This is exactly what's taking place. This is why Republicans have a death wish, and this is why the nation will be committing suicide because I don't think we'll get it under control once Trump leaves office. After he's gone, that's the end of it. That's the end of it. And let me say one other thing. I've been thinking about this, too, during the break. Trump and his his Twitter account and his tweeting. And people say he should just stop. He's not helping himself. Let me tell you folks something. The president is in an existential fight, and he knows instinctively that so are we as a people. You've had presidents in the past who have wiretapped reporters. You have presidents in the past who have imprisoned reporters, shut down newspapers. Those presidents were never impeached. This president hasn't taken a single action against any media outlet. He tweets. He communicates publicly. He says what he thinks. He exercises his free speech. He doesn't use the power of government as other presidents have. He doesn't use the power of government as other presidents have, and yet look at the criticism he comes over just for tweeting, for pointing to individual media outlets and individual so-called reporters, said he's a threat to freedom of the press. He's no such threat whatsoever. And when you look at these statistics, and he's accused of being a racist, and all of us are, when we look at this, when we see what's going on in the country, when we see this invasion, the refusal of the politicians to secure the border. And then you listen to the race baiters accusing you of being a racist. It's really disgusting. And I'm going to tell you something else. This invasion, so-called caravan, but this invasion has really opened a lot of people's eyes, I think, to something that doesn't get discussed enough except here. Prior to the Nixon administration, there was no such thing as, quote-unquote, Hispanics. Remember that, Mr. Producer? I talked about that. There were people from Honduras, people from Peru, people from Guatemala, people from Mexico, people from El Salvador, and so forth. They were never referred to as Hispanics or even Latinos. They were referred to as individuals or citizens of particular countries, just like we're Americans. There's no ethnic characterization for Americans. We are Americans. Those are Peruvians. Those are Hondurans or whatever. And you're seeing the fiction kind of play out. You have citizens of Tijuana, Mexico, Mexican citizens, who are saying that these people, quote-unquote, these people have no right to be here. 
that these people are this, that these people are that. And some of them have said, and we're not racist. We're just saying what we believe. And Trump is right. The left in this country and the media in this country, one and the same, would have you believe that all people south of our border view themselves as one massive ethnic group. They do not. But when they come into the United States, they are treated that that way for purposes of the progressive agenda. For the purposes of the progressive agenda. But the fact is that these folks themselves do not view themselves as quote-unquote Hispanics. They view themselves as individuals from these individual countries where their ancestry is. A Peruvian is not a Mexican, a Mexican is not a Honduran, and so forth and so on. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Joe Biden says he's the most qualified person to be president of the United States. Now, here's a guy that has spent his entire life in government. Graduates law school, barely. And he's on the city council of Wilmington, Delaware. From there, he's elected to the United States Senate by the skin of his teeth. He serves there forever until Obama decides he'd make a good running mate. And then he's vice president. So that's quite a diverse background, isn't it? Uh, but it really doesn't matter. Dumb is dumb. So I want to remind you of the genius of the most qualified man to be president of the United States. And ladies and gentlemen, I could spend 20 days on this. The things he's done, the things he's said. And he may come across as a nice guy on TV. But you should ask Bob Bork's family and Clarence Thomas's family and families of others who had actually had to deal with him when the Clig lights were on. But here's a montage, a Levin montage of the Joe Biden gaffes. Cut 14, go. I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. Lie. I won the international moot court competition. Lie. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate Lie. school and 165 credits, only need 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like. Let's do it, baby. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts, unless you have a slight Indian accent. It's a fully, my, I'm not joking. And you don't know my state. My state was a slave state. My state is a border state. My state is the eighth largest black population in the country. My state is anything from a northeast Now let's state. stop there. Actually, your state was split. Part of your state was slave. Part of your state was free. Anyway, go ahead. I mean, you got the first sort of... Articulate and bright and, and, and clean and a nice looking guy. I mean, it's, that's a storybook, man. Yeah. 
uh, uh, Chuck Graham, state senator, is here. Chuck, stand up, Chuck. Let him see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? <laughs> I tell you what, you're making everybody else stand up, though, pal. Thank you very, very much. I tell you what, stand up for Chuck. And it happens to be, as Barack says, a three-letter word, jobs, J-O-B-S. By the way, do you know the website? You know, I'm embarrassed. Do you know the website number? I, uh, you know, I should have it in front of me, and I don't. I'm, I'm, right. I'm actually embarrassed. The Taoiseach knows a lot about it. His mom uh, lived in, uh, in Long Island for 10 years or so. Uh, God rest her soul. And uh, um, although she's, wait, your mom's still, your mom's still alive as your dad passed. God bless her soul. I got to get this straight. Well, I say they're going to start to see unemployment grow uh, this spring. You mean employment? Uh, it's going to take uh, employment. North America is going to be, for the first half of the century at least, the epicenter of energy in the world. North America. Mexico, the United States, and China. <laughs> the problem with my gas is they're usually true. <laughs> now, don't let this disarm you. He may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but he made mincemeat of Paul Ryan when Paul Ryan debated him for vice president. Remember that, folks? Mincemeat out of Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan was coached, obviously, to sit back, let Biden be aggressive, and Paul Ryan looked like a punching bag. It was embarrassing. It was frustrating. It was upsetting. One thing Biden does know is politics. That's all he knows, as a matter of fact. So anyway, you need to keep that in mind. The guy's 74 years old. So he'd be 76 running for president. The clown that Bernie Sanders, I think he's 76 now. He hasn't ruled it out. What? I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. This party is supposed to be the party of young people. The reason the Democrat Party gets away with this stuff is because the Republican Party is so damnable and so incompetent. You and I don't even know what the issues were that they ran on in this last midterm election, other than they ran scared. But they should be pointing out, without offending the elderly, they should be pointing out that this party has refused to turn over the levers of power to another generation. It's incredible to me. And if we're not careful with the Mitch McConnell types, same thing's going to happen to us. By the way, Mitch McConnell and his wife, Secretary of Transportation, with the front row sitting, among others, in the Capitol Rotunda at the President Bush's uh, flag-draped coffin. McConnell decided who got seats. You know who stood the entire time? The Supreme Court. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. When it comes to costly car repairs, you need options. 
Instead, you're often stuck bargain hunting for the best deal because who can afford to fork over $1,000 for a repair? You can't put a price on your family's safety and security on the road. That's why I've extended vehicle protection from CarShield on our 2010 Camaro. CarShield makes the process <clears throat> of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. If your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to play, uh, pay high uh, repair bills. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Save yourself thousands in future car repairs. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like we did. Call 800-CAR-6100 and mention code LEVIN or visit carshield.com and use code LEVIN to save 10%. That's carshield.com code LEVIN or call 800-CAR-6100 and mention code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. All right. Let's see who else is out here. Looking, looking, looking. Okay. Kerry, Los Angeles, California, the great 870, the answer. Go ahead. Mr. Levin. Am I with you? You're with me. Okay. Hey, I've got a question, uh, kind of a scenario I've kind of been kicking around in my mind here about um, Mr. Whitaker. But, you know, first I want to say I'm a huge fan and, uh, uh, you know, share the same patriotic sentiments and uh i've got a 91 year old dad and uh <clears throat> i've just been watching driving down the road on a business trip looking at all the flags at half mass today down the side of the freeway here in california and uh you know just it's uh it's a, it, a generation. it really touches you doesn't it yeah you know it's just you know it just really chokes me up a little bit mm-hmm. and uh i you know i watch this generation you know, you kind of took for granted when you're young. I, you, you may not, but I feel like I kind of did. You know, no, I just, for the last 10 years, I just feel like, what a loss. It's just such a huge loss. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how we're going to replace it. Um, I know there's a, you know, a huge portion of the population is great people, but. Now, I understand you know, what you mean in terms of public office, in terms of public figures. Uh, we really are uh, dealing with the farm team here, the amateurs. That's that's uh, well said. So my feeling is, and I'm about 10 years younger than you, so you're like a big brother to me. You can kick oh, my butt you. on this one if, if I'm wrong here. But uh, I feel like like your last caller, one of the last callers mentioned about Whitaker. And I haven't heard anything. You know, I follow the news as much as I can. Right. And I haven't heard that there's been any uh, debriefing with Whitaker. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think if I were to take that job... The first thing I'd want to do is is meet with uh, Mueller. You know, I think, how would you do that? You're going to say, oh, oh, hey, Bob, you know, you and your 17 goons, I'm going to need to see you in my office. And, like, mm-hmm. how's that going to go? I, I think some doors need to be kicked in, you know, kind of like Cohen. We need those computers. We need all the data. What's going on here? I don't know. Well, I don't either. Uh, we're, we have people in office who are not, they, they are, and they fear, and you can understand it, being destroyed by the Democrat machine, the way they went after Kavanaugh, the way they went after Thomas, the way they went after Bork. And, of course, the media will carry the water for them. In fact, the media will lead the charge, and some people just don't have the stomach for it. And my view is if you don't have the stomach for it, then you need to get out of the way. 
because well, we have a president who's willing to fight them. I, I agree. I agree he's willing to fight them. And if a guy like Whitaker is worried, I mean, he must have been vetted the same way. Uh, Kavanaugh, what, he had seven times the guy went through a, a FBI. So this guy's got to be clean. Whitaker's got to be clean to be in the positions that he's been in. So what's he got to fear? Unless he's not on our team. I mean, get just in there. Be, just be personally, you know, character assassination. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a big boy. Yeah. He'll take that. And by the way, I think he is a big boy. All right, my friend. I appreciate your call. Mr. Producer, who else do we have since I uh, can't see my call screen here? The great WMAL, Brian in Maryland. Go right ahead, sir. Hey, Mark. um, It's just uh, one of those things that drives me crazy that I wanted to bring to your attention is every time I listen to the TV or anywhere else, all the hosts, they can't simply nail down the simple fact, illegal versus legal, Mm-hmm. when they're talking about immigration. It just happened moments ago on Fox. It happens all the time. What happened they talk now? About immigra- they talk about immigration as though it's all the same thing. Illegal and immigra- illegal and illegal are not the same to me. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, they won't nail their guests down on it, and it just continues to happen. Mm-hmm. All right. Appreciate your call, sir. Yeah, where are the call letters? What is it? WGTK, Stephanie, South Carolina. Go right ahead, please. Hi, Mark. How are you? Very well. Um, How are you? I'm good. You know, the reason that I called is because I just want to, I need to know how you do it every day. Because I know that for me, I I can turn it off and walk away. I don't want to because it's almost like watching probably the worst drama or... Um, I don't know, playwright I've ever seen. I mean, it's just it's just awful what's going on in this country. But you, you do this as a living and, and mm. for a living, and it's, it's amazing because it's depressing. It's really depressing. Well, here's the thing. Some days I get down, ask Mr. Producer. Some days are tough, but then I think to myself, I can't, you know, if I have a microphone or there's a TV camera or I'm writing or something, I can't afford to be down for long. Because people are depending on me. And because uh, we must not show weakness. We must not surrender to these forces. Period. You know, there's really three reasons why this country's great. Her people, the Declaration of Independence, and the Constitution. All are under assault. So there have been people before us, and people today, who actually put their lives on the line to fight for all three. This is the least I can do. It's the least we can do. Your voice is, uh, it's so much, it's, it's much needed. And I just, I wish you had, you know, I wish we could just amplify you and wake people up because these are real liberties that we're losing every single day. You know, I mean, between the elections that just happened and, you know, Mueller, and I mean, it's everything. It's everything. It's senators that are supposed to be re- Republican conservatives like Lindsey Graham. And one minute, you know, they're like rock stars. And the next minute, they're right back to being the same turncoat that they were. Mm-hmm. It's just very scary. It's very Remember, scary. everybody was lining up behind the Kanye West. Yeah. Ex- except me. I said, this guy is he's not reliable. He's hot and cold. Where is he today? Where is he today? He, he did the same thing. He did the same thing. What about all those talk show hosts that were slobbering all over him? Where are they today? They act like it never happened. Yep. 
Oh, you got to be careful about these things. So, um, yeah. all right, my friend. I appreciate it. The great WABC, Judy in Brooklyn, New York. Go right ahead. Hi. Troy Gowdy's not reliable either, by the way. Trey. Um, well, they call him Trey. Oh, I'm sorry. Trey Gowdy. Although I not like reliable. Troy better. Troy Gowdy. Well, <laughs> he's not reliable either, come to think of it. As Maybe we ought to just call him Trey Gout. You ever get gout? You ever hear about gout? Yeah. He, gout. I mean, I, I, I would have nailed Benghazi. I would have nailed a lot of stuff, and he's just like playing games. Uh, Mark, I have to get to the point because I yes. just want to tell you, I value your opinion so greatly, and a lot of us are so frustrated with what's going on. So, Mark, here's my question. I understand that an attorney general or an assistant attorney general is supposed to protect and support the president of the United States of America. So here, President Trump, uh, under the recommendation of Rosenstein to mm-hmm. fire Comey, interviewed mm-hmm. Mueller. And he rejected Mueller, and the very next day, this same Rosenstein appointed Mueller, Mm -hmm. even though the president said he doesn't want Mueller. So here's Rosenstein, who's supposed to be supportive and protective of the president, went against President Trump, put up Mueller, and didn't give him any borders of any kind. And quite frankly, Mark, let me ask you a question. Here is Mueller going through this investigation, and early on, very early on, they lied to the FISA judges with this unvetted dossier that James mm-hmm. Comey even said was unvetted, and right. it was bought by Hillary. How in the world is this entire investigation still allowed to continue? Why is it not null and void and illegal? Well, how would you null and void it and make it illegal? In other words, the Department of Justice is in charge. But the Department of Justice... My, my answer has always been that the Congress should have been holding hearings about the FISA court activities. The Republican Congress. They should have been holding hearings with Mr. Mueller, asking him what he thinks his constitutional powers are. Uh, instead, they want to protect Mr. Mueller. Excuse me, protect Mr. Mueller. Mr. Mueller has no... There, there, there's no magic uh, wand here, my friend. You can't just snap your fingers and end these things, but you can start to delve into them and find out what's going on. Well, Mark, guess what? I think that you and Andrew McCarthy should get together and legally fight back. Cause, uh, we get together all the time on the phone or uh, rather in email. But there's nothing. I don't have standing to legally fight anything. Mueller has to. In other words, another, no, listen to me now. I can't just bring a lawsuit. A citizen can't just bring a lawsuit. We don't have standing. Well, maybe you become like, you know, in the administration and then you'll have right. clout and power. I'll, I'll let my wife know. All right, thanks. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Would you pay your hard-earned money to join an organization that fought tooth and nail for a government-run health care system? How about an organization that scripted portions of White House speeches behind closed doors to ensure the passage of Obamacare? Or an organization that stood against tax cuts for middle-class Americans and small business owners? Would you join an organization like that? No? Then don't join the AARP. I just described them to you. Join AMAC instead, the conservative alternative. AMAC offers an alternative to almost every benefit and discount that the AARP offers, 
but without the left-wing agenda. And you can become an AMAC member right now at amac.us. Wouldn't you rather belong to an organization that fights for your values, your principles, supports your constitution and your God-given freedoms, shares your views about securing the border and so forth? AMAC is the way to go. There's a ton of work to be done, and AMAC is asking that you help them fight the good fight by becoming a member today. I am a member. The benefits and discounts are great, but the cause is even greater. Join right now at amac.us. Just check them out. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. AMAC is better, better for you, and better for America. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, let me... uh, Grab the call screen, which I now have. Amal, Washington, D.C., the great WMAL. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. How are you doing this evening? Good. How are you, sir? All right. Um, I was wanted to know, I don't know if you saw today, uh, I don't know if it was yesterday, but um, the state attorney of Maryland and the uh, uh, D.C.'s district attorney uh, was given permission by a federal judge to go forward with their lawsuit to to dig into the Trump's organization to see if he violated the Emoluments Clause. And every time I read this stuff about the Emoluments Clause, it, it infuriates me, it burns me, because he gave up his business when he started the whole run for campaign, when he became the president, the president-elect. How is it that he can violate something that he's not even gaining any personal funds from? And I'm just confused. He's still invested in it, but he has no control over it. And according to them, I guess, that anybody who becomes president actually owns anything that people might use. It violates the Emoluments Clause. Two problems with this case. Yes, sir. Number one, it doesn't violate the Emoluments Clause. Because that really is concerned about a president, as an example, or a public official, who is getting a benefit from a foreign country. In other words, that they don't have loyalty to the United States. This has nothing to do with that. The fact that... A foreign uh, uh, diplomatic group might be staying at Trump Tower or uh, rather uh, the Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C. is of no consequence. That's number one. Number two, this is not a state case. How do states get to bring a case like this? This is a federal matter. States don't have standing. So we'll see how this goes. It'll probably work its way all the way up to the Supreme Court. But you write right make a great point because all they try to do is harass this guy attack his businesses attack his family members and i don't know if you know this it was just reported that Mueller has now proposed to the federal judge in washington that general flynn do no prison time that he's been a very helpful witness i, so I did not know that, that, that. It, it, it just broke so general flynn should know no prison time so what are we talking about this binky mouse operation One guy's doing two weeks for false statements. General Flynn, and I'm glad, shouldn't get prison time. I mean, seriously. This whole thing is a joke. It just, it just, it just makes me upset. And I, and I guess by me being, you know, you know, a black male, a black American, and you know, I'm supporting this man because he has helped out my family tremendously with the tax cut. I use that money to reinvest to my retirements, you know, pay for the school for my, my kids to go to college. But when we go ahead and advocate for them and we tell them how it helps us, my family, you know, they call me a turncoat or other racial epithets. And it just, it makes it difficult. But when I see this, I mean, it just makes me mad because it's like you can't do no no right. Everything is wrong. in it. You're a strong man to put up with the abuse from your family. You really are a strong man to stand firm on your views. 
and your principles. I hope you'll call again. Thank you, sir. All right, you take care of yourself. Poor guy, because he doesn't fall in the line. Bill, Rehoboth, Delaware. Go right ahead, sir. Uh, hey, Mark, thanks for taking my call. You uh, got it. Just a couple, couple of things I wanted to bring up about Joe Biden. I mean, everything that he does and all the gas that he makes, uh, they're always just kind of blown off like, oh, that's just Joe. Uh, ha, ha. Yeah. You know, they're all slapping their knees and all this other stuff, whereas if uh, President Trump had made any type of a remark like that, they'd be jumping all over him and, and uh, doing all kinds of things. And one other thing, too, is, I mean, you're being from Philadelphia, so you're probably familiar with Delaware. And the, the, uh, the top county, Newcastle County, is top-heavy with Democrats. So most of the reason why he get in and most of the reason why these Democrats get in, because uh, they actually call Wilmington a, uh, a uh, suburb of, of uh, Philadelphia because of all the people that come and go through there. But uh, we have here in Sussex County where the state... Well, let goes. me just say this. Basically, the population of Delaware is Wilmington. I mean, I know there's other parts of... Of, of Delaware. I've been through Delaware many, many times, but Wilmington basically is the population center, and it's a tiny state. Yeah, exactly, and so we're kind of like stuck with Democrats, and nothing seems to get uh, uh, fixed, and they we're just kind of like at the mercy of Newcastle County, but you never know. Things change and all that good stuff, but uh, anyway, Mark, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. All right, my friend. Let's see if we can slip in one more. Istar, if that is your name, Iceland, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hi, Mark. My name is Akhtar Javed. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, sir. I'm really, I really appreciate your job and your, I take you as my teacher because while listening to your program, I feel so much improvement in my knowledge regarding constitution of this great country and the history of this great country. Well, I have to go. Don't be mad at me. But I want to thank you for your very generous call. Very kind of you. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all the patriots out there. And I salute you and thank you. And I'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless. God bless.